Good morning, good morning. I am Todd Brinker. I'm here today with Jensen Brinker. Uh, I do apologize. We're a little late for those of you who listen live. Uh, we had a few technical difficulties, but we're rocking and rolling now, and the podcast will be up and ready to stream shortly after we finish the show. Jensen, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, doing okay. Um, I got to say, I'm dragging a little bit this morning. I was not bouncing out of bed happy and ready to go, which I am about half the time. But uh, for whatever reason, yesterday I tweaked my back and I've been just walking kind of gingerly and moving. It's like it's not going into spasm or anything, but it just doesn't feel quite right. I feel like if I move, something's going to pop and cause great pain, you know, and it's just twingy. Yeah, that's not so. good. So I'm uh, the opposite. I woke up and was ready to go, which is not like me at all. I <laughs> know it is. It is it. Yeah. I was well, up at six and like, okay, let's go. Yeah. Well, subconsciously you were ready to, you know, cause we talked about you coming on yesterday and I think that just planted the seed, right? Got you mentally ready to, to rock and roll. Unfortunately, I've been really trying to get up earlier with COVID and stuff and just try to keep a routine. Otherwise my natural inclination is just to stay up till one or two. Right. And that's, that's where I will just naturally lean. <laughs> I think you're not so. the only one. I think there's a lot of people that sort of turn into night owls. And if they don't try to enforce some sort of discipline on themselves, especially now when they're really, you know, their, their commute is from their bedroom to their kitchen to their couch. Um, you know, and I mean, I got a little office that I go to, but my commute really isn't much further. You know, it's all of 30 or 40 feet. Um, yeah, I, mine's definitely not any more than yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, I've got to say, though, that, you know, I was working at home for a lot of years, and so I kind of got into a routine, and I've, I'm kind of used to it. So, you know, but it's not for everybody. You know, just like taking self-paced or online classes is not for everybody, and I know that that's causing, excuse me, a lot of stress and strife for people, um, you know, out there finding out that they're going to have to start school online, both for teachers and students. So. Yeah, definitely. Um. So anyway, uh, we've got a couple different things that we kind of lined up to talk about today. Is there any of those that you wanted to start with, or do you want me to just kind of dig in? Uh, the one I've been looking at the most was the six strains of COVID that they uh -huh. have been looking at, that article. I actually pulled up on Google Scholar the, um, the actual scientific article that that uh -huh. article is based on. Right. Um, I guess I'm not surprised that they're finding that it's already mutated, but it says mm -hmm. that most of the six strains they're looking at, they found by February of 2020. And I'm like, well, how many more are there now? Are, no are kidding. Yeah. The six. Yeah. Well, they implied that it wasn't, it didn't appear to be mutating at a huge rate. Um, and that most of them are of the, what was it? The G strain, but then the G strain itself already had several variants. And so, that makes makes it a little unnerving to think about the fact that that uh, that they've got six different variants floating around out there, and that three of them are the G strain of one variety to another. Yeah, with this article was published in April, so that means the data wouldn't have been for the last you know several months. So I'm I would be willing mm -hmm. to bet that there's more strains. It didn't go into any detail. It said that basically everyone has the same basic symptoms of covid right but i i do wonder if there's slight variations in that if 
if there will be follow-up research right. based well, on I, the I recent, I recently read an article, and I don't have it handy here. Maybe I can go find it. Uh, I that think you about sent it this, to me. About the six strains, and they broke it, broke it out. I think that was a later article that talked about the six strains and the um, and the variation in symptoms amongst them, which I found also very interesting. You know that there was slight variations of the you know air quotes list of symptoms that you can get, which has gotten pretty large at this point. I mean, it's just about anything you can imagine for a cold symptom would be could be a COVID symptom as well now. Um, or a flu symptom, which is what's scary. Symptom, yeah. It's not just it's yeah. this weird combination thing. Um, yeah. But that article was interesting because it related the symptoms to how severe and the likelihood that you were going to end up in the hospital on right. a respirator. Right. And I, I suspect it was probably based on this initial research, but um, uh, it, it, I think it was a later study that was sort of saying, well, hey, here's a variety of symptoms. Maybe you need to be aware of, you know, if you have this set, it's probably no big deal. And if you have this set, the, the sooner you have somebody start looking at you, the higher your chance of, of having a, an easy time of it were, which, you know, I guess is good to know if you can discern. But as my recollection was that, like, Number three, which was still considered fairly mild, was diarrhea. And number six was diarrhea with a headache and chest pressure. Well, it's not hard to imagine that you might have, you know, a headache and chest pressure from an allergy and then have a mild case of COVID and go into panic mode. You know? Yeah, they're all pretty common symptoms that you could get from allergies or a stomach flu or something. Or when you eating have a bad onion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's still, I guess the best thing you can do is just go drive through and get tested. Yeah. Yeah. And the, unfortunately, the testing is not such that they're going to say, and you have this strain. You know, it's just, yes, you no. have it. No, you don't. It's active right now or no, it isn't. I wish that every time you got tested, they not only tested you for active COVID, but for antibodies. So they can say, no, you right. don't have an active case, but you've already had it. Maybe we'll get there, but that certainly would make sense. I'm not sure what the cost difference is, adding the antibody yeah. test onto it. Yeah. Well, and as I recall, the antibody test requires a skin prick to draw a little bit of blood, whereas the other one sticks swabs up your nose. Uh, neither sounds particularly pleasant, but they are quite different. And once you start handling yep. blood, you're dealing with what's technically hazardous waste. So. Although I can't imagine the, the mucus on the inside of your nose isn't. Isn't hazardous waste. Hazardous waste. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. especially when you're at a COVID testing center, right? Where people are coming right. in, probably some of them with symptoms. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to pick like one of the least safe places to be, it's probably a COVID testing center. And they're trying their best. I mean, the nurses and stuff have face shields from what I've heard, and they're, you know, gloves and barely yeah. reach inside your car, but not perfect. No, and everything I've seen, you know, it's like, yeah, they're all wrapped up like they're, um, you know, in a hazmat suit, but it's still uh, not easy. And this time of year, certain places around the country, like where you live and where I live, it's, you know, 100 plus degrees out there, so it's not exactly comfortable. 
Right. Waiting in line in my car isn't on my first list of things to do, but yeah. if I needed to, I would. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, speaking of being out in the heat, I know it's not one of our lists, but uh, there's a huge fire burning in Southern California, not, you know, maybe 35 miles from where I'm at, and it's making the sky brown because of all the, the smoke that it's putting up. It's burned 20-plus thousand acres, and uh, um, uh, I, I feel for those firefighters that are out there working because, you know, they wear like 75 pounds worth of gear to protect them, and it's 100 degrees out. Um, although the next few days it's supposed to drop all the way down to the kind of like low 90s, uh, which <laughs> probably feels incredibly comfortable to them, even though it sounds like it's still horrible. Yeah, I, I'm happy they're willing to do it, but I'm not signing mm -hmm. up to do that job. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thank you, somebody, for being willing to go do that kind of thing. It's like, you know, we say thank you for your service to, to people in the military, but uh, I'll tell you what, firefighters, especially the, the forestry service people, um, wow, thank you for your service because, um, you know, you're out there in just the most miserable of conditions. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, you work almost until you're exhausted and can't go on because you have it's not something you can solve in a day. You know, I mean, it's, I can't imagine, like, standing there fighting fires, doing the best you can, and then saying, okay, well, my shift's up, and there's still fire raging. It's like, well, I, I've got to go take a break, you know? I mean, you know, the people who do that aren't the kind of people who are like, well, I'll just take some time off now and rest. It's, you know, but it's just got to be exhausting work. Yeah, I think they're definitely one of the more underrated or less recognized um, service workers out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Until Go there's firefighters. A big fire in the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then then everybody goes, Oh yeah. Yeah, remember that movie where they all like, you know, died? <laughs> Where's that you know, that one movie about the it's a true story about some of the um uh, uh firefighting groups. I think it was in Colorado or somewhere like that that the fire shifted and and a bunch of them yeah. were killed. I mean it's it's a risky job. So, yeah, definitely. So speaking of risky jobs, apparently it's also risky to live in China if you don't want to be tracked and seen. At one point in time, um, there was a, a, an article and, and a lot of talk about the fact that, that living in London is one of the places that's the most recorded and videoed of anywhere in the world. But apparently they've been surpassed now uh, by uh, the Chinese and specifically the Chinese in um areas that are inhabited by Uyghurs in the kind of northwestern side of the country. And the scary thing is, is that they are building and now exporting uh, their technology to recognize and track people. So it's not just video of people coming in and out of their houses, but they're using facial recognition along with big databases behind to log every time somebody leaves their house where where they go if they step outside of an area that they normally travel um th that gets logged and then they get stopped and questioned it's like well why are you over here you normally go over there and this is all in in at least in china being used to put down the practice of islam because the uyghurs are muslim and they there is, you know, not only no um, 
state religion in China, but they don't like the active practice of any religion. They have a a strong stance of being a uh, a non-religious entity because they don't want anything like a religion that can perhaps challenge for being the ultimate authority within their borders. The ultimate right. authority any, is the government. Any challenge to the government is not right, or even potential challenge. That's how they're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they don't Pretty want anybody scary, saying, though. "Hey, I have a higher calling. I, I, you know, I, I, I do what's right based on you know what I believe God has given us as instructions." Uh, they want your highest calling to be to the Chinese government. You do what's right for your country because your country is the most important thing. And uh, yeah, it's a little terrifying how far they've taken it and how how much data they're collecting. I mean, this is, you know, it's kind of uh, the worst of George Orwell's 1984 coming to be, if you happen to be a Uyghur. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, even though they focus on on them, that the Han Chinese throughout the entire country are tracked in similar fashion. Um, They're, uh, whether they're, you know, required to put a national tracking app on their phone by law, or they... um, you know, choose to put something like um, WeChat or TikTok on their phones. They, uh, you know, those apps are run by independent country or companies, air quotes, independent, because uh, a large number of companies in China, especially if they become successful, uh, are partially owned by the military and partially owned by a different different wings of the government and so there are no really independent companies in china which has been a concern for a long time but it is becoming more and more of a concern and i know um uh, especially given the fact that we had large shutdowns in production uh with with uh, covid and you know maybe if there's a silver lining to covid it's that there's a lot of companies that had done their production in china that are saying well, even if we don't move all of our production out, we're certainly going to create second and maybe third sources of our production in order to protect our our ability to manufacture if, uh, you know, don't put all our eggs in one basket. If, if something like um, uh, COVID comes back again uh, or hasn't really gone away, but I mean, um, you know, if, if something like that causes large shutdowns in a specific, a specific area, that we have a lot of uh, manufacturing in, you know, we lose the ability to, to, to make stuff. And I know Apple, for instance, is um, moving a large chunk of its production uh, to India so that it will be split between China and India. And things like the Apple Watch are made in Taiwan, which I, I worry about Taiwan, quite honestly. I, I, I would not be a bit surprised uh, to see mainland China at some point make a move to take over Taiwan. They've been saying basically since their inception that Taiwan is part of China and has no right to exist separately. So, I don't know. It's a little, little nerve-wracking for me. Yeah, I, in reading this article, was totally thinking of George Orwell's book, too. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize how interconnected their government is with Chinese companies. Mm-hmm. I think... Americans mistakenly think that other countries, their companies are run the same way that ours are. Right. Like kind of projecting our own values onto another country when we're looking at them. And that's, I think that's a mistake. 
especially when it comes to China, because their values are very different. Yeah, their values are different, but just their their um, their political structure as well. I mean, it's you know here we complain and, and bitch and moan about whoever's in charge, regardless of which party's in charge. The other party gets very loud complaining about it. I mean, when when Obama was in in office, Republicans were on the news every you know every on the on the news shows on the weekends and every opportunity in between to say how he was overusing his power and how he was behaving unethically and making bad decisions and and as soon as he was out of office and and Trump got voted in then the the, the whole thing flipped and the democrats have been you know saying the exact same type of things and you know and i mean in in Trump's case he doesn't make it any easier because he tends to behave in sort of unpresidential ways at least what we're not used to seeing as presidential ways um and uh you know it it goes on and on but people in the streets aren't getting arrested and thrown into jail for saying that our president stinks you know um uh we're still respecting our constitution we work as a country that works under a rule of law um and we have lots of arguments about how those laws are applied and which laws do apply in given circumstances and and whether we should change laws but but we but the arguments are about the laws not about whether or not we should have laws or we should or or we should uh uh obey the laws and uh um you know in a lot of countries around the world and uh you know i mean the obvious ones are places like north korea and iran but but people don't think about the fact that china even though they've we've had much better relations with them in the last you know thirty uh, or forty years, uh, ever since President Nixon sort of opened the door to China and 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 started trading with them, you know we we tend to think of them as oh they're just that place we send stuff and you know or, or we a bunch of our stuff gets manufactured you know our companies design stuff and then the Chinese build it because they've got cheap labor and then they send it back here and that's sort of how people I think think of it in a simplified fashion and and you know. An aspect of that is correct, but those companies that build that stuff, some of them are uh, populated by people who are basically locked into the factories. Those factories are essentially prison factories, um, and and they're run by the government, and uh, you know they're slave labor, and you know it, it, they don't brag about it they don't talk about it it doesn't get out of the country there is no free press so there's nobody to 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 sort of tattle on the bad behavior you know but it 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 gets out in little dribs and drabs from dissidents who are saying you know things are not all peaches and cream here and uh um it's one of those things that um You know, we, we need to be aware of, you know, there's lots of people out talking about, you know, let's treat animals better and let's treat the environment better. And, yeah, those are all worthwhile causes, but there's um, millions of people in China who do not have the, uh, the liberty go- to go from place to place, do not have freedom of movement within their country or freedom to say whatever's on their mind because of the way their government suppresses their population you know the, the the ironical thing is is there's a lot of people who really support their government because uh, they are not given very much information about what their government's doing and if they are it's always 
flowered in or, or couched in very positive terms because the government controls all of the news agencies as well. What group of people are praising them for that? Um, well, there are people, there, there are, are pro-government rallies that happen there. There's lots of, you know, just regular middle-class Chinese who, who um, are just going about living their life and, and think everything's fine and, and have not, uh, I mean, it's not like there's a group of, you know, uh, uh, the opposite of, of Uyghurs who say, yay, we're great. But like everywhere else, there's a lot of people who say our country's, you know, I'm proud to be a Chinese. I'm proud to come from a country that has a, a great history uh, uh, within the world and, uh, uh, you know, and, and of invention and, 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 uh, and trade. And, and I don't see anything wrong with the way things are going because they're not told about, you know, I mean, if you live in China, there's not on the, on the news at night, they're not talking about, yeah, we, we put a million people in jail in uh, the Northwest uh, and we, uh, you know, keep them under observation uh, because we feel that they're all security risks. They don't talk about that. That's not something that's publicly acknowledged by the government. Right. So it's it's hard to imagine what else your government can do if you have such limited information. Ironically, I was thinking about how people in America have so much information and yet are choosing to only look at a small aspect of it and have the mm -hmm. same sort of limited perspective. Yeah, so it's ironic, isn't ways. it? You can have the government limiting it or you can limit it yourself and still well, be blind. But part of it is is that you know we have a, air quotes, free press, uh, but there's so many, um, there's so many uh, outlets for that that it's hard to discern where the truth lies. You know, if you have... And you, you can have one place that says this is what the news is, or you can have 75 places that say this is what the news is, but they all say something different. Now, who's better off? You know, you'd be lied to either way and you wouldn't know it. Right? I think I mean, we are. <laughs> I think we are a lot. I think in yeah. some ways we are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, having a free press is great, but it doesn't, it's not a, a um, solution for, uh, for perfection. I mean, it's, it's, it gives us the opportunity to it, because everybody has a voice and especially with the internet it's become a great equalizer you know any can anybody can post things onto the internet and then it gets picked up and carried in lots of other sources to make it seem like it's official but you know i mean i can go write an article that says anything about anybody and that can become news that somebody might read and believe somewhere i think that's absolutely what happens it's pretty scary so Mm -hmm. I don't know how to solve that one, but I'm guessing the truth lies somewhere in the middle. You need a little bit of correction or something yeah. to filter things, Yeah, but well, not as extreme as China. It is not a um, easy pick-it-up-and-read kind of thing, but I have uh, heard a few different people say, and it's something that I try to do, is if when I'm reading something, I always read it with an eye towards, does this sound reasonable to me? And if there's any hint that it does or doesn't sound reasonable because it can sound reasonable because of my biases because everybody has their own personal biases um so so i try to see if i can find multiple sources but be, excuse me be, you got to be careful because it can be some other per place that just picked up the same story and ran with it and so they could all ultimately tie back to the same single source 
that's bad. Right, they're all just siding each other, and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Right, so you got to be kind of careful when you're looking for it, but I try to find multiple sources. What I tend to do, if, I, if I'm interested in something and really want to understand it, is try to, uh, try to find, uh, and I'm talking about, like, uh, news affairs, not necessarily scientific stuff. Scientific stuff, you can go and find the underlying research, like you did with the uh, the uh, SARS thing. You can you can dig into that because they usually publish the underlying research link right there on the article. So here's where we're you know got our data from. Um, that they're they follow a, a more scientific method of presenting their data, but um, but for news stuff, you know, go to a, a known liberal source. Go to a known conservative source and read an article from both sources talking about a certain subject and anything that you find in common between the two is much more likely to be truthful than things that is are only listed in one or the other um and then try to ignore um uh adjectives (laughs) because because you know saying somebody did something or saying something somebody horribly did something or wonderfully did something definitely colors the way you think about what they did. Absolutely. And and so just ignore any modifiers because that is the opinion of the writer. That's not what happened, you know, and you flat out cannot find anywhere, any source that I, I found anyway, that just says, this is what happened without any kind of like emotional language to color it. I've found that Instagram is my my favorite because yeah. you can follow a bunch of different news sources and they, they it's a short little clip of just what happened with yeah. a picture or two. Um, and then you can they link it a lot of times to the full article if you want to go read it. But that's the fastest way for me to see what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, other than I, I suppose Twitter would do the same thing, but I'm not on Twitter as much. And yeah. again, then you get a lot of other people's opinions yeah. tied to that same article or listed below it. Um but I tend to not read just full news articles or that's not where I go initially because as soon as I start reading it, my I'm turned off by all the adjectives. I right. find that fluff writing. So that's why I like the articles that are much more, here's the science, here's the, but that's kind of how my brain is yeah. geared to work at this point. I've been in college for so long. So, right. well, there's, a, there's a lot of um, truth to that too, you know, because there's sort of limited space to write, they have to be more succinct because you know, especially if you're you've ever been to journalism school, um, but even if you're just somebody writing on the internet, you feel like you have to fill a certain amount of space, right? It's like I can't just put out, you know, three sentences. I have to, you know, have several paragraphs, and so they, you know, when you're writing for a uh, uh, publication, they say, "Hey, I want X number of words or X number of inches of copy," and so you you know how much that is, and you have to to write to that space, and uh, and so, yeah, you end up putting in a lot of filler and adjectives and uh, and you repeat or yourself and re- rephrase it differently. Interviews ways. with people that say nothing. I hate reading articles and then you, that you read that they interviewed somebody and it's just them regurgitating an opinion that doesn't really say much of anything. Yeah. Or maybe one, one line did, but then the rest of it is just them answering questions about a topic that you're like, why, why yeah. was this needed in there? Yeah, it's like when they do interviews of politicians. I absolutely hate it when they say, you know, um, they hold up a col- you know a blue card and they say, uh, you know, excuse me, sir, but what color is this? And instead of saying blue and be done with it, they'll go, 
Well, you know, I, I had a, a color once before when I was running for this position, and my opponent said that it was this other color, but I said that it was that color, and he's a liar. And I, you know, and they go off on, on completely, or they wouldn't even mention color. You know, if they ask a, if they ask a question about what color something is, they'll they'll say, you know, I, I prefer sweet over salty. I mean, it's just. Uh, and the worst part is they're taught to do that. Yeah, the politicians just. That's what yeah. their campaign managers are telling them to do. Yeah, their handlers are saying, don't answer the question. Use that time as time to speak about whatever pops into your head. You know, what or whatever you want to talk yeah. about. Here's yep. what we want to talk about. Stay on topic and ignore the questions. And it's awful. It's so frustrating. Like, it's why like, are they having an interview anyways? Let's just put a mic in front of them. They can just talk and then yeah. we'll close it. <laughs> yeah, why is there somebody asking questions? Because they're not paying any attention. You know, and it's funny, you talked about Instagram, and I know that there's people who use, um, like you, you mentioned, use um, um, Twitter, Twitter as a news source um, for that same reason, because of, of sort of the limited amount of text in the feeds, and you can get just direct, this happened here, um, sometimes literally from the person on the ground, as opposed to, um, right. uh, you know, going through a news agency and editors that will then edit and 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 flower and do things um and the problem i have with those sites and instagram in particular because it's facebook owned but i have issues with with twitter as well um and uh and and it's making a lot of news right now tiktok is that these places track an immense num amount of information about you by just the virtue that you have their app on your uh device and it's running and even if you go and close the app out of memory, it'll restart itself in the background, and it has background processes. So that even if you, if, if just the fact that it's on your device, allows them to uh, to track like where you are at what time of day, and and uh, uh, what they, you've been searching, what you've been yeah, what you've been browsing on the internet. They fought, they track your internet traffic. Um, they have been caught turning on microphones and cameras at different times to actually record sounds and and take pictures of where you know of you without you knowing it um and every time they've been caught and i say every time because it's happened multiple times with facebook uh um, properties where they'll go oh that was just a programming problem you know it was an error we'll go fix it and then they'll supposedly fix it and wait till nobody's talking again and then they turn it back on i mean it's they just go i'm sorry and then they keep doing it and they've done it multiple times now you know, this is not a programming error this is a programming decision coming from an immoral company and that scares me as much as something like a government like china tracking me is that big corporations track me and uh you know and in the u.s anyway it's been basically ruled. Uh, ironically, I watched a video the other day by um, Edward Snowden, and I know there's a lot of people, as soon as you say that name, that are, are going to go, he's a traitor to the United States. I don't want to hear anything he has to say. But he's also a very literate uh, and thoughtful person when it comes to privacy and computers. He's very educated in that area. And in the interview, um, he talked about the fact that the basis of this, and this is something that our government has used as their means of going forward and, 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 and allowing the, the free collection of data, is one single um, 
legal finding by one judge in one state that said that the data in that particular case was owned by the company that collected it and not by the person it was collected on. And that in that particular instance, the person was a known perpetrator of, of um, child pornography, and the police went and requested the data from the, uh, the phone company to show where he was, the location data, which they, there's no reason for them to keep that data, but they choose to keep it because they know there's value in it. They can use it and sell it. And that company gave it to the police without a warrant. And the man's defense attorney said that because there was no warrant, that data has to be thrown out. And the judge, knowing that this guy was a known child molester and an awful person, tried to find a way to make sure that they didn't throw that out because they didn't want to let him go. And so the judge said, well, wait a minute. He doesn't own the data. The phone company owns the data because they're the ones who collect it and store it. And so they didn't require a, a, uh, a warrant because they gave it up of their own free will. And so they just handed it over to the police, which they can do with their property. There's nothing requiring them to do that, but they chose to do that. And so that's the case that they cite, and that's where our the basis of the infringement of all of our data, uh, I believe infringement, there's my use of a word, has started from, from one single legal case in one situation. And it seems right, to me which, like, yeah. It's a know, whole other scary rabbit hole of American politics. It is. Our, judiciary system and how we can break like use one thing as a precedent for right all and, kinds of other things well and the thing is it's not like it hasn't been tried to be challenged but every time it tries to be challenged the uh companies big corporations aren't gonna let that happen yeah big companies like facebook and google and you know that, that make their living off of gathering data about people uh including all of our um uh credit agencies spend millions and millions of dollars on attorneys to put those those cases down they fund anybody who's fighting anything that would could possibly become a case that would set a new precedent they don't want that to happen because uh they're terrified that they would lose their source of income and have to actually ask or share uh their data um, you know what i would love to see and this is also an idea that came out of that same interview from snowden is uh, on, uh, he, I mean, his feeling is, is that both Apple and Google devices are not doing a great job of protecting our, our, uh, our security and our data, but that Apple does a better job, clearly, than Google. Um, he would like to see Apple, uh, on a simple interface, have your face in the middle of, uh, uh, of the screen with little arms coming out pointing to everything that has active connections or has uh, in the last 24 hours been sending data out and allow you to just tap on each one of those, see what it is and say, shut that off. Don't allow that to happen again. And so that way you can control what all these other apps that you've loaded onto your phone do yeah. and don't do. And so I think uh, that's a great idea, you know, and then you can make the decision. Well, you know what? I'm willing to send that stuff to Facebook because I want to be able to use the, the services that they're giving me. Or, hey, you know what? I don't like the fact that, that, you know, that, that, that I used Facebook yesterday and 27 times since yesterday my location data has been sent to Facebook. I don't like that. I'm shutting that off. And if that means that, that I don't get to use their app anymore, then so be it. I'll find another app, you know, because there are alternatives out there. It's just nobody's using them. 
But if enough people started seeing what they were doing and how much they're doing it, they might say, screw this, I'm going to find another, another app that doesn't do this to me. You know, I mean, there's a whole um, uh, industry of people who started using DuckDuckGo as their search engine instead of Google because they went and saw what Google was tracking and they went, I, I don't want Google tracking me and DuckDuckGo doesn't track anything. You know, I've used DuckDuckGo on my personal phone for years now. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't even know you can change your default search engine from Google to DuckDuckGo on all Apple devices. And, um, and you know, you can go and do that on most browsers on Windows as well. So, um, you know, or just type in DuckDuckGo instead of Google when you want to do a search. But, um, yeah, it's... The insidious it's a thing complicated is, issue. It and is. A lot of people just haven't done their research on it, and it becomes a default to just open your Facebook, open your Instagram, mm -hmm. without being aware of what's actually going on. Right. Well, and that's why I was going to say the insidious issue here is, is that it happens in the background, so most people aren't even aware of it. You don't see it. Yeah. You know, it's not. Something well, and a lot of people make face. their income from Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, so it would be yeah. hard for that group of people to switch. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. And they, they don't want their followers to switch either because this is where they post their content. It would be yeah. difficult to make a mass exodus. Absolutely, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that it won't happen. I mean, there have been different social media platforms that gain popularity over time. I mean, you know, the whole reason that Facebook bought Instagram is they were stealing lots and lots of uh, a certain demographic of younger people who found Instagram to be a better place for them to be than than Facebook and Facebook went well wait a minute we're losing a lot of our key demographic here let's go buy these guys if they're if they're stealing away our stuff you know and you kind of wish that the Instagram guys had said no we're going to remain independent and just you know cash our checks because we're making money hand over fist um, but you know you also can't blame them for saying when somebody comes rolling up with a you know the Brinks truck and starts unloading the cash to say all right sure you do it exactly you know I mean, so what do you we can end on uh what do you think microsoft and tiktok because talking about talking right. about social media sites right which is where i was starting to go i am stunned that microsoft is even interested in this i i you know given the way microsoft has restructured themselves from being the the windows company to sort of being an online services company that still sells office office is basically a service now um uh, but they, they do a lot of online services through businesses, and and uh, one of their biggest things is they sell a, uh, and I'm going to blank on the name of it, but they do a, a back-end um, service for people to develop platforms and, and, uh, and programs on in addition to the services that they do. They've developed all theirs on that. Uh, I don't understand why they want to come into this arena, into a... Um, uh, a, a uh, social networking type of app, but, uh, mm -hmm. but according to this USA article, it's because they want part of that market that that younger demographic and data on that market. Yeah, well, clearly they'll they'll get the data, and and apparently they they have about forty two percent of of um, the forty uh, two percent of the of the market in terms of. Um, what that 18 to 24 demographic is kind of where they stand with TikTok, uh, or it's even lower than 18 to 24. I think it's like 
14 to 24 or something like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously they say they want to do it. And the question is, do you feel any better? I guess I feel marginally better if it's data owned by uh, Microsoft instead of data owned by a company that sits inside of China. Now, TikTok swears that the Chinese government has nothing to do with them. Um, but I would have my doubts. Um, yeah, that seems hard you know, to fathom given, yeah. again, the way their government is structured. Yeah. So I don't know. I, you know, if, if Chinese, if the Chinese government truly has a, a, their fingers in TikTok, I can imagine that the Chinese government might say, we're not going to let you sell to a company outside of our country. You know what I mean? So they might yeah. block, they might block the sale much like we can block the sale of things here. So we'll see if that happens. Um, if that happens, that's almost uh, the rubber stamp saying, see, we told you the government runs that place. Um, you know, if they don't let it, if they don't let it go. And if they do, if, if, if China blocks the sale, then I can see somebody in our government, Trump or, whom, you know, whomever saying, OK, fine, then you can't come here um, and, and shutting it down, which is going to cause a lot of, of uh, very unhappy people. But that doesn't mean that a alternative app won't spring up. You know, if that'll that'll be an opportunity for somebody to go make a clone of TikTok to run here, you know, and there are already yeah. are clones out there. So, I mean, it just means one of those will get will take off. Yeah, that's what's so interesting about that market, though, is that there is all there seems to be major players and then all of these lesser known ones that nobody's using. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth in Facebook and in Instagram and Snapchat right now, too, is there's alternatives out there. You know, as soon as somebody gets popular, one of these platforms get popular, somebody clones it. And so if something ever happened to one of the big boys, I think one of these other ones would suddenly everybody would migrate there. You know, they'd go there and tell their friends about it. And the next thing you know, that's the new big, big deal. Yeah. But unless we'll something happens, yeah, unless something happens and the other one just shuts down, um, there's no impetus to move. You know, people aren't going to switch from this interface to that interface because yeah. they feel like it. There's got to be some reason to do it. So 13 to 17 year olds is the... Um, is the uh, yeah i knew tiktok had a younger market dem demographic yeah so even younger so anyway um i know you got to get going so uh why don't we call it quits for today we only got through a few of the things we were going to talk about but that just means there's more to talk about next time around so um yeah, thank you so much for covered joining a lot me of today. Ground, yeah mm -hmm. i appreciate it so thanks for being no here problem. today thanks for having me um, and Aaron should be back with us tomorrow, listeners, so uh, please tune back in. We appreciate it. By the way, if you happen to download our podcast, we'd sure appreciate it if you would uh, rate us and give us a five-star rating on, um, on Apple Podcasts. That's the index that's used by the Internet for most podcasts, and it does help us. It um, you know helps us bring in more listeners and gets us ranked higher by having good reviews so if you like listening to us and you're a regular listener please take a moment and and give us a score and uh and if if you feel like we're only worth one star then please don't even bother <laughs> so uh i'm gonna play us out here thank you so much for joining us jensen thanks for having me Thank <laughs> you.